0: Hello again, and welcome to Arch Eats, where we take a deeper dive into the things that listeners may not know about the restaurant scene here in St. Louis. With me as always on this journey is my friend, co-host, co-pilot, cohort, Cheryl Baer. And I can say happy holidays again, my friend.
1: Yes, happy holidays. I wish we were doing this with a webcam. They would see our festive gear today.
0: I'm not sure that would be a great idea, but I, it's hard for me to take you seriously in those reindeer antlers, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you wore them. This episode of Arch Eats is sponsored by Westport Plaza. Joining us will be restaurateur Ben Paremba. Then we will finish as we always do with a micro rant. This time about restaurant appetizers. Specifically, how they're traditionally served and how they should be served. But first, we'll begin as we always do with what I can't stop thinking about this week. And Cheryl, you gave me a hint and I can't believe you're going there again.
1: Well... I'm trying to redeem the green bean casserole, so I'm sure I broke a lot of hearts, or maybe no one really cares, but um, when I... Grandma's hearts. Yes, I broke a lot of grandma's hearts and maybe Campbell's Soup Company's heart when I uh, professed my deep-seated disdain for the green bean casserole. I, um, I don't need to rehash that. It's just not my favorite dish. It's not even close to my favorite dish. It's maybe my least favorite holiday dish. However, I recently went to Cellar House, which is a restaurant in Oakville, deep, deep South County. Chloe Yates is the chef. It's just a wonderful neighborhood restaurant. She's doing a lot of fun things there. And one of the things she's doing is they've turned the entire restaurant into a Christmas pop-up dinner. They aren't just doing some holiday specials. They've basically thrown out their regular menu. And
0: their cocktail menu.
1: And their cocktail menu. And they are doing um, really wonderful kind of traditional, you know, think figgy pudding and goose pie and all of these just very quintessential kind of old school Christmas dishes. One of the dishes she's doing is a take on the green bean casserole. That is wonderful. It is actually a savory cannoli. So think green bean casserole, but instead it is um, Eric Ericover just sautéed. Um, they are stuffed into a house-made, super flaky cannoli shell. Green bean? Did you say green, green beans, bean cannoli? Yes, a green okay, bean cannoli. I promise take me you. A second. And my Italian foremothers and forefathers, um, they would approve. It's actually quite delicious. Um, and then instead of you know the Campbell's soup filling. She uh, puts like a mushroom, kind of like a creamy mushroom sauce at the bottom of the plate and then stacks two cannoli on top of there. It is delicious. It is the uh, green bean uh, uh, casserole for green bean casserole haters. Wow.
0: That, that really actually gives you a hard time, but it really does sound it's good. It's a lot of fun. And this goes all through December, I think, until the 6th, maybe, I of, think until the of 6th, January?
1: January 6th, I believe, is the last day of it. It's really a lot of fun stuff.
0: The um, So the thing I can't stop thinking about this week is a croissant, uh, specifically a chocolate croissant. And I think we've talked about these before, but this is possibly the best one I've ever had. I had it last week at a place called 23 West Coffee, a new coffee shop in in Webster Groves. And the thing that's different, you know, we've talked about these chocolate croissants. They've got those little, um, what do they call them, little nubs of chocolate sure. they call chocolate batons. And there's never enough in no. there as far as I'm concerned. Never. And it's apparently that's the classic way to make them, but it's not the best way to make them, in my opinion. There's a place called Luciana's Pastries, which I've never heard of. It's up in Alton. They supply the pastries to 23 West Coffee, and they make a chocolate croissant that's, you know, crescent-shaped, okay. right? And instead of those little nubs of chocolate, there's like a river of chocolate in oh. there. I mean, it's solid chocolate, and it is so good. And what makes it doubly delicious is that I think they take a little... It tasted like honey. They brushed a little honey on top. So you've got this little chewy component to this. I cut it up with a knife and fork because it was so sticky. And let me tell you, it was a really, really good croissant. So, so the
1: chocolate in the center, is it gooey or you said it's solid?
0: It's it's kind of mid. It's solid it's, yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> I like, we coined a term on Archie's. It's
0: a little of each. But anyway, uh, this is, again, I, I don't know much about Luciana's pastries. They're up in Alton. Um, they have, I know, a a high tea that they're doing in February, which I've got my eye on. I just know their pastries are delicious. They've got, uh, in the case, they've got almond horns and uh, they've got muffins and they've got quiche and, and uh, they've got lemon tarts, oatmeal bars. I mean, I practically memorize this because I want to try every one of these. But they also have a chocolate pecan tart that might be the best one of those I've ever had.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So anyway, 23 West Coffee, go for the coffee, indulge in the pastry.
1: Wow. Well, I will definitely be heading there.
0: And I'm told the scones are incredible, quote unquote. So all this on my list. Great coffee, don't sleep on the pastries.
1: And maybe even take a road trip to Alton, too, if you want to check out the pastries. uh... Yeah,
0: that's right. I might just go there when we get done right here. I'm, I'm ready to go. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we will talk at length with restaurateur Ben Paremba, who has lots of surprises in store. This fall and winter, Westport Plaza is welcoming Soda Fountain Express and 360 Westport. Soda Fountain Express is a spin on a classic diner and burger joint from the 50s and is a great place to host private events, birthday parties, and more. 360 Westport is a modern rooftop bar and lounge featuring cocktails, expansive wine lists, and small plates. Come for a cocktail or dinner with a hand-picked bottle of wine from the sommelier. Follow Westport Plaza on social media at Westport STL to stay informed about giveaways and upcoming events. Experience the unexpected at Westport Plaza. And now, back to the show. As promised, with us today on Arch Eat is Ben Paremba, a familiar name to just about everyone within earshot of this broadcast. But just in case, Ben is a three-time James Beard Award semifinalist. He's the owner of Benjalina Hospitality Group, which operates six restaurants, as well as AO & Co., that little bit of everything culinary shop in Botanical Heights. Ben is one of the most prolific and passionate members of the local restaurant community. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. No pressure.
2: Hey, George. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Cheryl. Nice to see you again.
1: Great to see you.
0: Suffice to say, you're a busy, busy guy right now.
2: Yeah tons of stuff going on obviously um as uh i've announced before three of my restaurants including my flagship and the one i'm most known about elia and olio uh and nixta are all going to be closing down uh at their current location at the end of the year uh uh, december 31st is going to be the last day at their car grove locations and they're going to be uh, relocating to the Delmar's Maker district, that's that stretch uh, on Del Mar between Union and King's Highway.
0: Before we get over to that area, on New Year's Eve, on the last night, I'm assuming everything's sold out, but can, can people walk just stop by and walk in to, to say farewell, or is it just
2: going to be too crazy? I, I actually did something uh, probably counterintuitive from, the, from a business perspective. Uh, I decided uh, not to have any events, uh, you know, any ticketed events uh, on that night and just really celebrate my staff, celebrate the time uh, we've had there. And so Nixta, Orleo and Elia are going to be closed um, for, I, mean, I shouldn't say closed. They're going to be, we're going to just host a big party at Orleo starting at 8 p.m. Uh, no tickets, like I said, no reservations. Uh, the bar is going to be open for business. We're probably going to put some food out. but. Uh, I just wanted people to actually do exactly what you just mentioned. Come in, come through, uh, have a nice time and and reminisce and, uh, and be sure well.
0: So Cheryl and I could just stop by and that's what you're
1: saying.
2: Yes, exactly. As you should, as you should. So, you know, it actually, uh, you know, this this year's New Year's Eve uh, falls on a Sunday, which kind of works out really, really well. So our official service day at Elia, Oreo and Hicksta will be that. That night and then we decided that the next day we'll give my staff a little time off and next we celebrate them so at 8 p.m we'll just do a, a big party sounds great
1: these are places that have meant so much to so many people and obviously they've meant so much to you um you know we're just kind of curious if if it's bittersweet if it's um you know, mixed emotions. If it feels like the right time, maybe all of the above.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's bittersweet. It's it's the intuitive thing to say. Uh, we've been at, at those locations for. I mean, I started working on Orion and Elia almost fourteen years ago. I mean, it took a couple of years to build. So yeah, of course. I mean, it's it, it's my corner, right? You know, I have I have and Elia, and I have Nixta, and I have uh, Shuket, and I have AO and Co, and you know, I'm proud of what, uh, what I was able to do over there. So yeah, absolutely. It, it feels, it feels, uh, a little sad, but, um, you know, at the same time, I think that there is kind of like a natural expiration date to, to a lot of those things. And, uh, I'm, uh, personally very excited, uh, for the opportunity. You know when you're at the same place for such a long time, you, you tend to sort of accept certain things and, uh. This this is a a huge opportunity to sort of bake in, uh, pour in new foundation, and and do things that I've always wanted to do. I was just maybe lazy, maybe just uh, you know the inertia of things just uh, kept me kept me away from doing. Um, Maybe too comfortable. The opportunity now is 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 tremendous, and I really really like that stretch on Delmar. I think it's it's maybe uh, the coolest uh, yet undiscovered part. Uh, There's so much uh, budding. Um, energy, uh, creative energy, with uh, third degree glass factory, and with uh, made STL, and with other restaurant operators that are coming over there, like uh, Steve's hot dogs, and Fountain on Locust, and and uh, Alpha Brewing. I tend to, I tend to look forward in everything I do, so I'm more happy, more excited than I am sad. And but I am a little, you know, it's it's that it's that kind of feel.
0: I remember, Ben, when you were originally talking about this, I think you were over there in a coffee shop and somebody approached you. I think it was one of the guys from Third Degree Glass. Do I have this story right? And he said, hey, Ben, you know, do you want to do a restaurant over here? Or how did that come about? Because as I recall, the story was pretty funny.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, opening Deli Divine, I was driving uh, every day for the last two years on Del Mar. And uh, I just, there was kind of, you know, first you're just driving right through, I'm probably on the phone and slowly I started noticing some, you know, some, you know, the street looked clean and looked like uh, it was loved and looked like there was a lot of energy there. I remember driving there one night on a Friday night and they're holding this, uh, you know, open house this Friday, third Friday of the month, open house in glass factory. And the city was, uh, the city, the street was packed with cars. There was light out there. Uh, it has just so much, so much energy. Uh, and at that point I've always, I've already, uh, made the decisions to, to leave, um, to leave, uh, Tar Grove and was actively looking for, for either a new neighborhood or for, for a new building. And I, I looked everywhere. Uh, I mean, my, my day was packed with, you know, real estate brokers calling me left and right, developers, uh, come to Kirkwood, come to Chesterfield, come to, uh, Cuddleville, uh, stay in the city, come, just. Every day I saw so much stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, but I, nothing gave me this sort of kind of um uh, uh, this energy that I saw in Delmar. And then I the story is that I was sitting at Brutulum, uh the now uh uh closed uh, coffee shop. Uh, um and uh I looked across from loom and there was a new development, it looked like a restaurant was being built. And I, uh, ran into Doug Auer, who's, uh, now, uh, one of my, one of my, uh, uh I, I should say partners on this. He's the landlord on, on a few of these buildings that I'm going into, uh, Doug is the founder of a uh, third degree glass factory, uh, with Jim McKelvey. And Doug, uh, told me that the, the, the restaurant they were going to do across the street is no longer a thing. And if I wanted to tour. And so I said, absolutely. And I got a tour of that restaurant. Uh, but moreover, uh, we just started walking up and down Del Mar, and he took me to Made Man, which is an architecture office uh right by third degree, and uh, um gave me this kind of like overview kind of like his vision for the street and At that point, I really had this you know i i I mentioned this to people like I have a kind of like a similar feel like this, this, I, I, this exhilaration, this, uh, you know, exhilarating, uh, vibe inside that tells me, oh my God, this is, this is where I should be. Um, there is so much opportunity and there's so much opportunity for growth. Uh, so tons of buildings that, that needed, that needed, uh, loving, you know, um, and right there and then I called my partners and I said, Hey, I think I found our new neighborhood and quickly, like started working on, on deals and started, uh, you know, spending more time there. And so what I should tell you is, and this is kind of like how crazy my mind works and you're the first, and I'm, you're the first people I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this to, but before we're doing, uh, before we're relocating Niksta, which will happen in hopefully April and, uh, Olya and Elia, which probably won't happen until the summer of 24. Uh, we're introducing two new concepts to this neighborhood. And so, uh, in 2024, we're going to be opening five restaurants on Del Mar. Uh, the two new concepts, uh, one I briefly talked about is going to be Esca. That's, um, kind of a coastal Mediterranean concept that, uh, is going to be in right down the corner. That that's the first building that I saw. And, uh, coastal Mediterranean food, uh, with an emphasis on, on charcoal grilling, a very elemental, gorgeous space. And then the, that's gonna, I'm, I'm hoping that that's gonna open, uh, as, as early as February, uh, Valentine's day is sort yeah. of our big day. Uh, and then once brutal Loom closed down, um, it just made all the sense in the world for me to take over that space. There's several aspects here, right? You know, A, it's a space in a neighborhood that I'm going to try to dominate as far as the culinary scene goes. Uh, it's a space that's fairly, you know, fully built. I mean, we're going to change, uh, uh, tons of stuff inside, but the big thing for me here is that I, uh, made a commitment to my employees, especially those who've been with me for a long time that, uh, it doesn't matter if I, if it takes us six months or nine months or a year to open those restaurants, that they're gonna be employed with me and that they don't have to go, uh, that they don't have to go anywhere or, or worry about that. And so sure, some of them, uh, we're gonna place at the deli and some of them are gonna go to Benevolent King and some of them are gonna go to Barmoral, Um, and some of them are going to be, uh, uh help, you know, some of them are gonna help me open this new, uh, restaurant Esca. But it's still a you know it's it's dozens of people, uh, literally dozens of people that I'm going to uh, need to uh, you know pay for their livelihood, and what better way to do this uh, than opening a new a new spot? So this brutal loom space uh, we're calling Florentine. It is named after my favorite uh, neighborhood in Tel Aviv, and it's basically a Tel Aviv inspired uh, all day breakfast and lunch spot. Uh, with a huge emphasis on shakshuka, those delicious uh, eggs that are basically poached or braised in uh, in this chunky tomato sauce uh, from North Africa. Uh, this uh, menu is almost 95% vegetarian, vegan, vegetarian. It's, it, it's great. Look, you know, fresh juices, uh, we're going to open as early as 8 a.m. My hope is to open as early as 8 a.m. Um, so yeah, so it's given me an opportunity to both, uh, give employment or continue employment, retain employment, I should say. Uh, it's given you an opportunity to uh, place a lot of my furniture and a lot of my equipment in a, in a, you know, instead of in a store, it's actually put them to use and it's another element uh, from this neighborhood. You know, one thing I learned from doing, from doing a neighborhood, right. From cooking up a neighborhood is, um, that you need diversity of businesses and you need different price points. And so. Uh, you want people there at different times of day, uh, spending their money and their, and being entertained at different levels. So, you know, Esca is going to be a little more pricey, uh, uh, than Olio, uh, obviously less pricey than Elia. And that cafe is going to be kind of like a super approachable, uh, um, everybody, you know, basically a, a place where everybody can, can, can come to. So this sort of daytime, nighttime, uh, middle of the day, different price points is super important. Uh, so you can attract uh, a wider a wider market.
0: I, I think you said ESCA will be, I want to say unique in St. Louis in that it's got the only coal burning appliance, right? You're gonna be cooking
2: the meats and the fishes and the vegetables over coal. Well, the uniqueness of this concept is that we have no other surfaces. Uh, I it's not like I have, you know, a, a grill in addition to, you know, a gas stove or 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 you know, uh it, all we have there is just a charcoal oven and we're going to try to do the entire menu out of there. So, including possibly baking bread and doing all of our desserts and so um yeah, that that's that's a unique concept for sure.
1: I think a lot of people are familiar with kind of more eastern mediterranean, you know, I think of um Oleo, Benevolent King and all of that. You've said that this is going to be Italian Riviera, French Riviera, um, maybe even into Spain.
2: Yeah, so for sure. So the idea for Esca is that it's loosely inspired by Western Mediterranean cuisine. So if you kind of think of the Italian and French Rivieras all the way down to the Catalan coast, uh, um, you know, the the, uh, Western um, coast of Spain. A little bit of Sicily, maybe a little bit of the Amalfi Coast as well. Um, just this kind of, you know, the French call it the cuisine of the sun, and this is really what what inspires this. It's, it's very elemental food. Typically, it's uh, simple salads, uh, a lot of olive oil, uh, um, healthy, a lot of a lot of acid, a lot of lemon. Uh, we're gonna use a lot of lemon in different uh, in different ways. Um, so yeah kind of like that vibe, uh, for, for Esca, uh, um, which really is kind of like the difference, uh, the new Olio, once we do the new Olio, um, gonna be almost the, the opposite. It's gonna be the Eastern, uh, part of the Mediterranean. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, those two kind of exist side by side.
0: Ben, I think it's great that you're able to shut three places down but keep everybody busy with your other restaurants and then almost immediately opening up two more in a different part of town you know usually when a restaurant closes the employees go why what are we going to do you've got that right. covered completely
2: yeah and so like i said i mean it's it's super ambitious um you know the obvious question uh, that you guys didn't ask me is why not do olio and elia in those in those spaces why why uh you know why find new buildings for them when I saw the first building, the Esca building, uh, the, you know, right there on Delmore in Academy, it just didn't feel like Olio. It didn't feel like Elia. It didn't feel like Nixta. Uh, but I really wanted to do a restaurant in there. And so I told my partners, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a new restaurant. Uh, when the loom space became available, kind of felt a little like Olio-esque, but still not, still not, didn't have that vibe. And one of my managers said, let's just do Olio in residence or something in here. And, uh, I just felt like that was going to be super confusing. And so the new Orleans and Elia buildings are going to be pretty impressive and ambitious projects, uh, architecturally and operationally. So I will, I will tell you where, where they're located. They're right by 30 degree glass factory. We're taking the, you know, the Delmar Lee building. Uh, the folks at Delmar Lee, after being in business for I think almost forty years, have decided to retire. It just again, it it worked. Uh, um, what's the word? Uh, serendipitously. Serendipitously. That's that's what I that's what I uh, was looking for. Uh, once they announced that they are going to close, I went to Doug and said, "This has to be Olio, also a former uh, filling station with this kind of uh signature glazed white brick on the outside, but we're going to take that building and we're going to take the building behind it. Uh, and then, uh, we're also going to construct a new building. And so three buildings, two existing structures, a whole new one, and we're going to connect all three of them to house Olio Elia. And then we're going to move our commissary kitchen from, uh, from Cherokee street, you know, where we bake everything, where we cut all of our cheese, where we do a lot of, a lot of sort of, uh, building blocks of our, of our restaurants. Uh, we're going to move into that structure. And so that's going to be almost uh, eight or 9,000 square foot building, uh, housing, like I said, two restaurants and then a big big, uh, production kitchen. Uh, It's going to be very, very cool. Very interesting.
0: I am so glad that you were able to duplicate Olio in another spot because you look at Olio and you go, if it's ever done again, it has to be in an old service station. And if you don't do it that way, it's going to lose something. And I'll be darned if one of those wasn't available over on Delmar in that uh, in the Delmar lease space. And I drove that stretch and I thought to myself, boy, I hope that's where Olio is going to be. And in fact, yeah. it is.
2: The constellation of the stars. I mean, I'm not a uh, particularly spiritual in that in that regard, but that really all worked out. This the the, the existing buildings, the Olio area and Ixta buildings. Are very tough to operate and we're very restrictive and what I'm doing uh, is you know I'm going to be able to implement a lot of my ideas for Olio and Elia and Nixta that I wasn't able to do it's going to be cool really really cool like some of our planning at least is is very cool
0: will any of the menus change at Olio or Elia you've got definitely certain
2: things you do at each
0: one and this will give you an opportunity to change that a little bit if you want to.
2: Yeah, for sure. So Olio's menu is probably the most, uh, will be, I mean, we'll keep all of our classics and all of, you know, our customer's favorites, but, um, what we couldn't do with Olio for real is serve hot food, you know, uh, that just didn't work. Uh, we didn't have a, like a, a hot kitchen. And so the new Olio kitchen will have, um, a grill where we, are going to be able to grill meats and do some, some more substantial food. Uh, in addition to the big hummuses and all the, all the things we already do, uh, the Elia menu, uh, the format will probably stay the same, but we, we're working on some really, really neat ideas as far as, uh, the experience itself. And, uh, um, you know, when I have some more concrete stuff, I'll share it, but, uh, again, it's about six, six to seven months away. So, um, for now, just to suffice to say that. Things are going to stay the same. Uh, The Nixta menu will largely stay the same, except that we're going to introduce uh, what I try to do at the existing location. I'm going to introduce Bar Limon, which always was kind of like a more fun, approachable, cheaper version of of Nixta. And uh, this is going to be kind of like a counter inside of Nixta itself that's going to serve uh, ceviches and, and tostadas and, you know, uh, as the name suggests, things that are cooked in lemon, if you will, uh, cocktails and things like that. Uh, the fish cocktails, of course, the seafood cocktails. And so, uh, um, so yes, Nick's Day itself will also have kind of a dual personality, one that's a little more, uh, fun and approachable and then, a kind of a more fun, you know, um, formal dining room.
0: Sounds like we're up to five and a half restaurants, Ben, are you going to keep going? <laughs>
2: yeah. You've yeah. got
0: Nixta, which sounds like with, with Bar LaMone, it's like a restaurant and a half there, right?
2: It is. It actually is going to be a restaurant and a half. There's like a few other elements that I'm gonna keep as a surprise. But yeah, it's it Nixta is definitely a restaurant in a hair. that space is super cool. This entire development with Arthur Brewing and and Steve's hot dog and uh Fountain on Locust is gonna be really, really neat. We're gonna have some Uh, shareable space, kind of like a little uh, green area in the middle of the whole development for people to just come and hang. And it's going to be it's going to be fun.
1: My understanding is that the actual like production side is a key component of that. Like people will be able to see certain elements of things being made. And that's part of the experience.
2: Yeah, that's true. So the whole strip, the idea of makers really kind of fits with my philosophy. I've always been a, a big fan of what I call the element of the make uh, where you can actually see this is why I have a lot of my kitchens there are out up front I mean at Barmore you could just visibly see it uh, people making stuff and so uh, that entire philosophy resonated with me and in keeping with what I do so at Maker's Locale you're going to be able to see uh, the big steel at Alpha Brewing uh, and at Nixta you're going to be able to see people making uh, the tortillas right there in front of you so you know, those are the things that in the past people were trying to hide. And for me, that's part of the theater of dining. Uh You just see how things are made and it's part of the show, right? Um, the biggest uh example of that that I have at my existing restaurant is with Joseph, our gardener, you know, having all these, you know, potting soil and all of his gardening tools and all of his things right up at the entrance of the restaurants. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's it's always changing. It's part of the, it's part of the experience. So. I'm
0: just amazed as I'm thinking about it, you know, in seven or eight months, we're going to have a part of town that doesn't really have a lot of restaurants. It's going to have like, I don't know, I lost count. It's eight or nine restaurants. It's that stretch of Delmar that is just going to all of a sudden come alive. There'll be synergy right off the bat because these places are basically opening up at the same time.
2: A year from now, that stretch of Delmar will be dramatically and drastically different.
0: We just love us some Ben Beremba. So, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today.
2: Thanks, George. Thanks, Cheryl.
0: So, that brings us to what's often our favorite part of the show, our micro rant. And this week's rant concerns odd numbered appetizers. So frustrating. I'm going to set you up for this. You've been. I mean, anyone familiar with with architecture or or spatial design knows that even numbers are symmetrical, but odd numbers are more interesting. That's why you always see a chef put three scallops on a plate or five shrimp on a plate. Odd numbers are better, which is fine unless there are four or six people dining at the table and all of a sudden you have to do some serious, you know, knife work or some serious uh, appetizer subdivision. Right. And. I always thought, wouldn't it be easier as we experienced the other night to be offered a little bit extra, you know, an extra item for a nominal price. If there's three to the order and there's four at the table, why don't you just add on the fourth? And this happened to us with a beef cheek empanada at Idle Wolf. Remember, there's three to the order there and there were four of us and we were darn glad to each one of us have one.
1: Well, God knows you you can't be splitting one of those. Like no. each person needs their it own It was
0: perfect. Everybody got one. And I thought, you know, it this is something that shows the customer that the server is paying attention. It's this subtle detail. It's a touch of hospitality. It's a great upsell and that's one that nobody's gonna refuse. Everybody will opt into that extra morsel. So Let's pay attention, restaurant folks, when we do our appetizers and and always make sure that everybody gets a taste. Sure. That's it this week, folks, for Arch Eats. Best dishes and, might I say, Happy New Year. There are links in the show notes to all the places we talked about today. We encourage you to follow Arch Eats and share us with your friends. And remember that we put out a new episode every other week. You can also subscribe to our newsletters at stlmag slash newsletters or follow us on Instagram at St. Louis Mag, or follow me at George Mahey.